Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the first of our joint evening services for autumn 2020. Uh, we were just saying before um, folk logged in, it, it's exactly six months since we last met of an evening. And it feels in sometimes like a lifetime since we were together and in other ways, no time at all. But what a joy to see each other's faces. Some of you I haven't seen for six months and it's just wonderful to see everybody again. Just a couple of housekeeping notes. Um, we're each come from our different churches with different ways of using Zoom and different ways of meeting online. So Hillhead Baptists are hosting for this month. So it's kind of our way of doing things. The first one is just to say, please, could we all keep our mics muted unless we are reading or speaking? We found very early on that if we have lots of mics open what then happens is it just rapidly takes up lots of bandwidth becomes a cacophony and people's um, things start dropping out which is a real shame you've hopefully got sight of an order of service so you can sing along to uh, well two recordings of hillhead baptist church and one recording of a lovely choir so i'm not sure um David uh, that that would be green bank uh, parish church which we use this morning Thank you. So Greenbank Parish Church, we will also be hearing. Um, and we've already heard some music from Paul Fraser. So that's, that's lovely. Um, so you can sing along to, to these songs. You can join in with the responses to the prayers. But as I say, please do that with the mics muted, just so we don't gobble up bandwidth and we'll all wind up crashing out. Uh, when we first did it, we felt terribly self-conscious. Six months down the line, honestly, you would think we'd turned charismatic. We are swaying and we are singing and we're having a great time singing along to ourselves. We're not really turning charismatic, but you know. Um, the second thing, just from a housekeeping point of view, is to say um, there will be an opportunity to stay and chat at the end if you would like that. We're kind of bordering on being too big for a single group, so I may well use the breakout rooms facility at that point just to put us into slightly smaller groups so we can chat to each other. Um, that may mean I need to move David around periodically so people can talk to him because obviously that's who you really want to talk to I suspect um, this evening oh. but we'll see how we go um, how many of us there are at that point are, yeah. <laughs> uh, next Sunday it will be me leading the service just so give you advance warning and it will be a communion service so when we get to that you will need to have something to eat and drink um, being very low church Baptist we we did it with bagels and latte this morning so the person who was leading told me afterwards, um, I had a cracker and some purple juice. But, you know, whatever you want to bring for communion next week is fine. I'd like to thank Paul Harris, um, who's the guy with the headphones on. Um, Paul is the hellhead tech guy. He doesn't normally do evening services. We normally let him have some time with his family, but he's very kindly coming, coming in for these services to play in the music for us. So we really appreciate that. And lastly, and most importantly, it is a great privilege to have with us today, the Reverend David Coleman, who is the Environmental Chaplain for Eco Congregation Scotland. I checked the website. I don't actually know this stuff. I did actually have to check the website, but David has been in post for just over two years now. He has qualifications in German and in theology, so he's clearly a very clever person, and huge experience in reflective photography and media. So I think we can be really sure that what David brings us today will be top quality, really interesting, really appropriate, and, and really enable us both to worship and to reflect 
at the beginning of creation time. So I'm going to shut up and David, it's over to you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I don't know. Following that introduction, um, if you can see your order of service, we'll begin with the opening responses for this evening. Boundless God, who sets Earth's boundaries, we, your creatures, breathe your praise. Living Christ, who shares what binds us fully, all that breathes and lives. Wind that sculpts the rocks and shifts us. Sky and soil and sea all dance. Christ set us free to join them.
So we move to uh, an opening reflection, which involves not just our words, but the voice of the sea. Let the sea come and wash your feet. From where life comes, we can't compete. So much power to cleanse and heal. See rising, warming the world's ordeal. Change is coming, dashing headlong. Human timescales overlook it. Such broad greatness where the fish dwell. The ocean whale road, the awesome wave hill. Let the sea come and wash your feet. More than mighty, great yet weak. Fragile beauty, Jesus water. From our hearts, tears flows in prayer. Flood, storm, torrent, you'll be there. We might hold back from your care. Yet, as creatures, earth and wetness. Care our duty, Christ, our witness. In a bowl at home or puddled street. The touch so tender, warm rain, cold sleet. Let the sea come and wash your feet. Let God's water wash your feet.
we go. Time to sing again. And this is one of our uh, hymns for creation time. Uh, one of the part of the material that we're sharing around for people to do with what they want, really. That's the idea. Um, and the recording, as I say, from the people at Greenbank Parish Church. Uh, and I think they gave, they gave me this file this morning. So that's helpful. Let's go.
from Job chapter 12. I have become a laughing stock to my friends. Though I called on God and he answered, a mere laughing stock, though righteous and blameless. Those who are at ease have contempt for misfortune, as the fate of those whose feet are slipping. The tents of marauders are undisturbed, and those who provoke God are secure, those whom God has in his hand. But ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord is behind this? And then from Matthew chapter 17. After Jesus and his disciples arrived at Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to, say, to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But, so that we may not cause offence, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and there you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Thank you, Robin. Uh, so we'll go now to the main reflection. Uh, Katrina was saying at the beginning about, you know, we come from different strands and different sorts of churches. Uh, just to say within the, where I come from, it's perfectly all right to disagree with a sermon, but a sermon might make you think. Bear that in mind. Okay, here we go with a bit more screen sharing. Sometimes, and this is one of them, when reading scripture demands quite a bit of subtlety and sympathy. Not the middle class luxury of simplicity, nor either the idolatry of totalitarian consistency, but embracing that richness which allows that the positions we hold may be adjacent colours on the rainbow, rather than mutually negating black and white, and that sometimes even those boundaries will blur and that's all right. After all, how can anyone read the Gospels without reconciled inconsistency? Which is a vital skill for life today. The spirit rather than the letter gives life. So when a tale is told, let's first savour it as a tale, because poetry can be the most comprehensively accurate way of conveying truth. In both readings we're immersed in a human environment which is more than a bit mad, but oblivious to its own unjust madness. There's also those on the edge who trust God, 
but lack the power definitively to sort things out. And they turn to the familiar, reliable solidarity of the court of nature for comfort and sanity. They speak or turn to the earth or to the sea. Right now, though, that very reliability, which has cradled our civilization for millennia, though been downgraded for last century, that is being burned away. Nature has more on its plate, and most of it we have put there. Job appeals to the honesty of other creatures, though at the cost of the realization that both God and the earth have other agenda than our own. Other agendas than endless economic growth or single use, anything at all. In our day, the resort to nature is complicated and enriched by the inseparable solidarity of suffering and abused humanity with the fast eroding resilience of the current systems of the planet. But then in the Bible, it was ever so. As the guest scientists in the climate debate before the general election said, nature is your friend. Though to that we can add that nature is a wounded friend whose wounds are crying out in person as the poor and abused have always cried out in person to God for justice. If your friends despise, forsake you, take it to the Lord in prayer. Well, if you do, you might find fellow creatures already in the waiting room. Now, of course, speaking to fellow creatures or to nature is both something people have always done and, and plenty of Zoom meetings right now include cats in particular. But it's also something in which poetry and scripture reconcile modes of speech. We find that mountains do dance, trees do clap their hands, while Jesus scolds unruly waves and unfruitful trees. To say that the earth speaks, or that, as it's now well established, not just birds, beasts and dolphins communicate, but even trees, that cannot anymore be held in contempt. Recognising personhood needs not to be inhibited by embarrassment about anthropomorphization. But that sort of dismissal relates to the demonic othering, which we have this year become just a wee bit more aware of with regard to the varieties of our own species. Frighteningly soon, after you find a pretext to ignore personhood, you also find you're ready to obliterate the life before you. Black lives, refugee lives matter, and they matter first to God. Does God matter to us? I sometimes wonder if most of the Christians I know for most of my lifetime have been playing the game of grown-up church. I'll include there the ludicrous haughtiness of the respected Bible commentary that was commended to me while I was at Oxford. This is not a miracle story because the miracle is not described. And yet a miracle, a sign, is not characterized by the impossible or by details of description, but rather by its capability to point to Christ. Matthew 17 is rather like plenty of despised and excluded resources of scripture which are shut out of the lectionary as either too silly or too scary for sensible grown-up people. This is not a particularly scary story, though no doubt for those who think folk tales are only for children, they might find it silly and an embarrassment to their woeful picture of a prudent and level-headed Jesus. Yet here, in Jesus' exceptional care for his friend Peter, in this story, we uncover encouragement for when we are out of our depth. When we are hemmed in on one side by the conflict of circumstance and, and principles we've only just begin to adopt, and we're hemmed in on the other side by business as usual. 
the offence that the taxmen might have taken would have been a cause of stumbling for them. And that, for Jesus, is something to avoid. Am I reading too much into the Jesus I hope I know to suggest that if he's going to challenge us to change us, he prefers to stack up the odds that we do grasp why? To clear out the stumbling blocks so that denial, as well as acceptance, can happen freely and responsibly. In days of environmental emergency, we could pave a cobbled street with the stumbling blocks we ourselves daily encounter. Yet in good faith, we are here to convince, not defeat, those who for now evade what we might be struggling to grasp. My job title might be environmental chaplain, but I consistently struggle to digest the very bad news about the environment which drops like Chinese water torture into my inbox every day. The thing is neither to be overwhelmed by alarmism nor get hemmed in by those incremental steps which reassure me I've done my bit and can get on with business as usual. If you're going to the trouble of change, why not a leap rather than just a step? And today, what would Peter say to various things, knowing that unlike electricity generation, the sector of transport is intransigent in its progress to decarbonisation? I don't seem to be able to afford an electric car, but if I don't travel for work, I'll probably lose my job. Uh, knowing that meat and dairy globally have a huge carbon footprint, I gave up meat for Lent, but I'm trying to feed my family as best I know how. And I know that farmers are already under huge pressure, and I love cheese. Notwithstanding our COVID spring of clean air and water, audible birdsong and quiet roads, climate matters remain increasingly urgent. And the response is called for every today. So those solutions may be further down the line or transformation rather than solution may be our only option. What we have to avoid is getting locked in. As my diesel car falls apart, do I lock myself into another fossil fuel vehicle for years or hold on for a month or two, hoping options open up for electric or consider in the meantime whether I'd be better off without the thing at all? Likewise, the ill-conceived government scheme to replace old domestic boilers with gas rather than promote the uh, leap into heat pumps. What do I do about that? In considering all of these, I feel close to Peter, who was cared for by Jesus. Peter's first response about the tax question was actually a defence of the basic respectability of Jesus. Not to be passed off as some shady tax evader, but then. But then he wonders if what he's heard from Jesus about how the temple is run means it's consistent to take some sort of a stand. Jesus' response, and let's take it at face value in the story and not get bogged down with juvenile grown-upism about whether the fish could really have happened, Jesus' response, which notably enlists the help of nature, is a fudge with integrity. From the historic creeds onwards, fudges with integrity, far more than rigid and narrow precision, are what help us move on, what draws us together, rather than getting strangled by still evolving principles. Of that, I'll note in passing the tendency in churches still to waffle on about stewardship of creation, which grew in popularity out of the liberal horror at the scandalous reading of human dominion as domination, unchallenged even by some of the most unassailable Christian spiritual thinkers. Stewardship tends to be of inert property rather than sentient persons. 
Stewardship doesn't give us the shove we need, looking fellow creatures in the face. Bringing the possibility not only of intimate conversation, what we used to call intercourse with creation, but also the more threatening truth that we are at the mercy of the same earth that we abuse. Care for creation at the end of the day is our family business. It's our calling, not as hired hands who run away in danger, but like that good shepherd who lays their life on the line. So the outcome of Matthew 17, Peter and Jesus aren't compromised by paying the tax. But the belligerent authorities who wouldn't have grasped what they're on about, they are satisfied and pacified. And what is more, the valuable common ground between the tax officers and Jesus, namely the praise of the same God, is also safeguarded. There's a chance for a further hearing. Between climate activists and climate deniers, the ground we stand on is our common home. If we're encouraging and modelling in all things exemplary love for the earth, that will move things on at least as much as quoting lots of facts and figures. But that too might require the courage to be laughed at, looked down on, called those names like tree-hugger, Baptist, Methodist, Christian, which began as insults but became badges of honour. Then Peter, who if he knows nothing else, knows how to fish, is affirmed as he repurposes his existing skills and resources to respond to a changed situation. Peter knew that to catch fish, you have to go out on the water and look for them, reminding us that our existing gifts and faith are never single use, but given to be used, reused, recycled, repurposed, and re-blessed. This is um, a framework for prayer, which, again, is presented to follow through the, the whole of the season of creation, creation time. Uh, and again, it's so that you, you put in the things that are close to your own heart. So again, let's, let's share screen and be with you in just a second. <laughs> Things are changing so fast that particular pressing concerns cannot be anticipated. So this framework is offered, which can see us through the season of creation and give continuity. Let us pray with Christ. God who makes us with the earth. God who gives us to the world. God God with us in our struggles. Hear us. Stand with fears and leads. And walk, hold hands, advise, encourage. We pray for the world. What have we heard in the news this week? Who is in need? And who should give thanks. How far have we got? And where have we stumbled? And what seems completely beyond us? Listen for Earth's voice. What is it saying? 
We remember our neighbours of whatever species. We pray for our enemies and those we fear and pray for peace throughout creation. Hear yes. us. Stand, Stand with fears and leads, and, and walk, hold hands, hold hands advise, advise, encourage. We pray for the Church. Give thanks for the faithfulness undergirding prayer. Be open about continuing divisions, including local ones. Look to a greater integration of environmental concern in our life and work and seek openness to the joy of deeper fellowship with all creation. Hear yes. us. Stand, Stand with fears and leads and walk, and walk hold, hold hands, hands advise, advise encourage. encourage. For ourselves. Bring to God what no one else need hear. Not for God to hear, but to remind ourselves that God knows and understands. Pray for those we pray with, acknowledging and respecting what they cannot share with us. Look for support and perseverance and some sustaining sign when we get things right. Pray for impatience, not simply to accept the way things are, and pray for peace in our heart and the fuller joys of Christ. Hear us. Stand with fears and leads, and walk, hold hands, advise, encourage. Amen. So that came about. Um, I discovered a, a bird hide that was actually open. Unfortunately, most of them are still locked up. But this particular one, because it was falling to pieces, nobody had bothered to lock it. And it was a really good, beautiful, peaceful place to just sit down and come to God.
As Sarah laughed, may we guffaw and never wait to leave to hope. Forgiven, may we liberate and pray that all attend the earth with Christ sustaining stumbling folk through all that lies ahead, we'll cope. And may God, the Christ, the breath of life together bless and keep you. Amen. Amen.